0: got nba finals action going on bucks are ahead but uh we are going to get into the open which is formerly known as the british open but uh you know they're calling it the open so whatever uh you know at the end of the day it is another major on the books obviously we're abroad and uh we are at mirfield and you know from a golf course standpoint, uh, this is a tricky, uh, course because y- you've got a lot of wind, uh, in play here. So, you know, a lot of what's going to be discussed, uh, you know, from my standpoint of how I'm approaching this has to do with, uh, the, uh, golfers. And again, I'm going to be limiting my player pool quite a bit, uh, uh, you know, no more than, uh. 35 to 40 golfers max out of this entire 150 player field. Uh, you know, for DFS purposes, I think that's really the only way you can go uh, if you're trying to take down one of these contests, which is my goal. I'm not looking to play cash or play it safe in any regard. I can give you some uh, safer floor plays, but realistically, I'm looking at it from a tournament uh, type build. Don't know why I said Mirfield, uh, uh though uh, it, it is Royal St. George's. Uh, Mirafield just popped in my head for some reason. But no matter. Uh, but uh, going through the entire golf course, uh, it is a par 70. It's over 7,000 yards. And you've got a number of uh, par fives, uh, most notably uh, the uh, the seventh hole, which is 566 yards. I uh, also have some, uh, holes where you're going to have, uh, uh, very thick bunkers. So, uh, holding it out, is not going to be very easy. So you're going to need to kind of a, avoid the bunkers in this one. And, uh, the rough, uh, from all accounts, uh, has been very deep. So again, a lot of, uh, a lot of traps, uh, in this golf course and no one's going to be attacking this. So, I mean, yeah, you can attack it, but you know, you're not going to be successful attacking it. Uh, so the scoring range is going to keep everyone compact. Uh, you know, we're probably going to see an overall winner somewhere in the minus, uh, five to seven range at most. Uh, I, I, I'd be, I wouldn't be shocked if it's minus three is a winner, but, uh, I'm going to get of that uh, maybe this plays a little bit nicer because we don't necessarily see a lot of wind early on uh, for round one coming up. But, uh, you know, uh, we'll see. Uh, Buck's making a run. Uh, Phoenix still up, though. Man, I, I know Devin Booker's putting up numbers, but I just hate stat lines with that are so hollow where you're only putting up uh, points and not much else. Like, I just don't feel like... Booker has done a very good job this series getting other players involved. I mean, it, that's just me. Uh, it's the one thing that's actually keeping the Bucks in this game, in my opinion, is the fact that the Suns are scoring, but really they have not fed Aiton nearly enough, and Aiton has a prohibitive advantage in the paint uh, to do some damage. But anyway, uh, let, me, uh, let me get back uh, to uh, uh, this breakdown here. And you know, I'm just looking at this strictly from uh, where I think uh, guys should be at uh, for the player pool of who I'm playing. And you know, at the top of the range, you've got John Rom, clearly the best play uh, out of everyone. Uh, I I don't think there's much of a, a doubt on any of this um, uh, in terms of uh, how he's pl- uh, played. Uh, in the past uh, three months, uh, you know he's just been uh, th- uh, at the top of his game, and like the only drawback was when he tested positive for COVID, and then he came back and won. Uh, uh, he came back and won the U.S. Open. So, I mean, there's just nothing uh, you can go wrong with uh, playing John Rahm, in my opinion. Here, uh, you know he's obviously going to be the most expensive guy. He's eleven point three on DraftKings, <clears throat> but. Realistically, I am gonna be starting off uh, the vast majority of my builds with Rom and figuring it out from there. Um, you know, obviously in this price range, uh, you know, if you go with two studs, you're gonna to have to find other ways of getting creative. But uh there's just not too many guys that I'm gonna be playing a ton of. Uh you know, I'm not gonna be playing Rory McElroy. I don't care Uh, If it's home soil, he he just has not looked remotely close to uh, the golfer you're paying up for. He's not the same guy anymore. And, you know, I know folks are going to talk themselves into playing Rory. And I'm glad if his ownership, uh, it creeps over 10%. I'll I'll take that in a heartbeat because I'm just going to go full fade on Rory McIlroy. And uh, I will live with... uh, I would rather play Jordan Speef than play uh, like Jordan Speef at nearly uh, tw- uh, 28 to 30 percent ownership than Roy McIlroy at 10 percent. I-, I just, you know, to me, at least Speef has shown some form uh, that he can keep it together for an entire uh, golf tournament. And he's done it for multiple sh- uh, tournaments uh, where he's actually been in the mix. So, yeah, I definitely take Speef over McIlroy. But uh, that's not even uh, the play I'm going to be concentrating on. I'm actually looking at Brooks Koepka, uh, 10, uh 10-7 on DraftKings. A uh, thousand more than uh, Spieth. But uh, this projects well in, in the line of what Brooks usually goes for, which are the majors and the tougher majors. This should not play out as an easy golf course. And to me, whenever conditions get difficult, to me, that's when... Uh Kepka is always, always in play. So uh, you know, if I was pairing Rom with someone and I'm not gonna do it with every bill, but for the bills I am doing it for with two studs, uh Kepka would be my preferred choice of uh pairing with Rom. And you know, I had different ways of getting different to uh make that work. Uh but uh yeah, so uh definitely looking more towards Kepka. Uh you know, ownership projects to be about twenty percent on the field, but Uh, I'm good with that. I I can definitely live with that. Justin Thomas, nine six. uh, You can definitely go here. Um, I'm gonna have some exposure, um, if only to pivot off of uh, uh, Xander Schauffele at 10k. You know, I know Xander could play well at this tournament. I'm just. I'm just still not completely sold on Xander just yet. I, I just can't can't feel comfortable with the play. Um, just uh, not not there. Um, same goes for Dustin Johnson. Uh, you know, definitely has the talent, but his game has been all over the place the entire year. Ah, uh, it's just you know maybe I get one or two lineups with Dustin Johnson. Uh, just so I don't do a complete fade, but man, I just don't feel good about playing Dustin Johnson and paying up 10, for him. You know, if he was, uh, if he was as mispriced as some of these other golfers had been, maybe you consider it, uh, uh, where if it was Dustin was in the nine k rage, uh, I'd definitely be a lot more aggressive about it, but, uh, paying up to 10 t- uh, K and yeah, if Dustin was playing well, he'd be 12 K. I know this. I know this is the discount pricing for Dustin Johnson, but uh, to be in the 10 K range, I got to have some measure of confidence that you're going to be in the top 20. And I just don't see it with DJ these days where at the tougher tracks, uh, you know, you just don't know what you're going to get out of Dustin. And yeah, to me, like that's just not a good uh, space to be in, uh, to be perfectly frank. So uh, not going to be on DJ that much. Bryson to me is pretty much a complete fade. Uh, the whole caddy situation blowing up. Uh, you know, he's just got a lot. Of, there's a lot of noise going on with Bryson DeChambeau right now, um, and he's priced up at nine nine. I just, uh, it's just a tough. I'd rather play Louis uh, Louis Oostensen at nine point three k, even though Louis is definitely uh price at a premium and the general rule of done with Louis is whenever he's priced at a premium, you back away. Um I'm not because it's a major and it's a tougher course. That usually uh means that Louis should do okay uh but uh not not exactly thrilled about playing uh Louis at nine three. Uh Patrick Cantley uh you know, it, actually, I should say that part of me playing Louis is also kind of a little bit of a pit off of Patrick Cantlay. Uh, ownership is just projected too high, in my opinion. He's at 22% uh, projection as it stands, like an hour before Locke. Um, but, uh, you know, I just don't like where... Um, well, we're a couple hours from Locke, but uh, you know what I mean. Um, it's just... I just don't really have a great feel for Patrick Cantlay. Uh, yes, he plays well at windier courses, but nothing... Like, to me, if I'm paying at this price range for someone I'm not confident in winning, I might as well just play Patrick Reed instead, which is probably what I'm going to end up doing, is playing more Patrick Reed than Cantlay and getting underweight on Cantlay, a little bit overweight on Reed, even though uh, he's projected at... Uh, Uh, close to 25% ownership, uh, you know, maybe I'll go somewhere in that uh, 35 to 40% range um, and do it that way with uh, Reed. Because to me, uh, I I don't think I'm going to be pairing that many studs with Rom. I just think I'm going to go overweight on Rom, go underweight on most of the other studs, and then just go overweight on Reed. Because I think I can make it work with Reed. And, you know, uh, there are a couple other uh, guys uh, in this AK range that I think can be uh, be decent enough. Uh, I think Webb Simpson is another person uh, folks should be uh, more excited about. To me, I Webb has far better form than what you're getting out of a Tony Fee now. Uh, Webb Still has better course history than a Paul Casey at eight six. Uh, not the head case that Tyrrell Hatton is at 9'9". Nine, nine k. Uh, you know, uh, could you play a Victor Hovland at nine point one? Yeah, can you play Colin Morikawa at nine point two? You could, but Morikawa already set off the jump that the greens feel different here abroad than they do on the US soil and he's going to have to try to make some adjustments. I just don't want any exposure to Morikawa cuz he hasn't played these link style courses uh overseas. I mean, he's just he's starting out his career. So, to me, this is a lear- uh, steep learning curve that he's uh, undertaking. I'm just not going to have exposure to Morikawa. I'd rather take uh, uh Patrick Reed and again, it's similar uh Uh, in in thought process uh, to Brooks, like, you know, when it's a difficult track, they tend to play better. Uh, That's just the way they operate. So to me, I'm more likely to have uh, the exposure to guys like Kepka and Reed as opposed to uh, somebody others. So to me, I think the way to go is I'm going to have exposure to a ton of Reed. And, you know, the decision point kind of comes down to is, am I, do I need to spend up for, uh, am I going to need to spend up for Kepka when I have Reed as my pivot point? Or am I just going to use the Kepka lineups and not include Reed in them. So I may just make a rule where... Uh, and, you know, I still haven't fi- finalized all the lineups yet. Uh, I'm still going to be running numbers. But, you know, I may just make a rule where if I have Patrick Reed in the lineup, I don't want any Brooks Kepka because I think they're both the similar play in that, you know, neither one... Uh, should be uh, scuffling too terribly on a difficult track. Uh, You know, they should score relatively well, but, uh, you know, in terms of the upside I'm looking for, you know, I don't necessarily want two grinders out there in um, Kepka and Reed. So I may just make a rule saying one or the other and then see how the builds land of, uh, because, again, you got to look at it from the holistic view of how your lineups generate. Uh, by going with Reed, you're going to get more value picks in your, uh, in your lineup uh, that are going to score higher rather than Kepka, where you kind of box yourself in with certain picks you're going to have to make. And you can definitely do it. So I'm just saying uh, those are some of the decision points you're going to have to make for yourself. Yeah, so I know people will ask about Tony Finau. I'm just not going to be on Finau this week. Uh, the form has just been too bad. Uh, I know Link's style golf could be in his wheelhouse, but man, uh, you know, I just don't think he trusts himself right now, and uh, this is not a get-right spot. Uh, in, in a This is not the major for a get-right spot to me, in, in my opinion. I'm just not going to be playing uh, Finau. If I was going to play someone that uh, uh, folks uh, would be under the radar on a bit, it would be Chef uh, Scotty Scheffler. Uh, to me, Scheffler would be my pivot off of Finau. If folks want to play Finau, uh, so be it. He's forty-five to one. I'd rather take Scheffler at fifty to one and call it a day. Um, Adam Scott uh same spot as fi out like I don't think he's in a good uh good uh place form wise I just don't uh and he's been struggling off the tee. I, I just don't see it uh, I'm not gonna be playing Adam Scott 8100 but uh to me like this is a fade uh uh fade Adam Scott and a fade on Justin Rose at eight actually there are three fades <laughs> I forgot about the uh, uh this other uh, uh golfer um Justin Rose, Adam Scott, and Tommy Fleetwood. I'm just not going to be on Fleetwood. And I know there's uh, going to be some popularity uh, with Fleetwood, but like in my builds, and again, I run a very shallow pool of golfers uh, where I'm only going to be playing uh, about 30, 35 golfers. I just don't have... Uh, room for Fleetwood at the moment. I I just don't see where I'm going to be able to get him in. Uh, You know, it it just is what it is. Like, to me, there's no win upside with Fleetwood. You know, at best case scenario, he'll get me a top 15 finish. And at 8K, that's just... It's nice, but... Like, there are other guys... Like, I'd rather just play... Uh, Matt, uh, Matthew Fitzpatrick at 7900 I think uh, Fitzpatrick can get me inside the top 10. So, to me, I think uh, Fleetwood is just an overpriced version of Fitzpatrick with a lower ceiling. Uh, you know, or you go Shane Lowry at 7900 Who actually won the event? He's the defending champ. Uh, you know, I, I just... Think like Lowry has had the form. He's uh, uh, made a, has made the cuts at his last nine events. You know, to me, Lowry and Fitzpatrick would should be the plays over the likes of the guys I just said to fade. I mean, between Scott Rose and Fleetwood, I just like combined. All those guys have a, a, a combined ownership total of nearly thirty uh, percent. To me, I, I just don't see why. You have to go there. Uh, I just would rather run a shallower pool and just play Lowry or Fitzpatrick instead, and not play all five. Um, And yes, I'll be shallow in my one hundred and fifty entry pools. But to me, I I just think you have greater leverage when you concentrate. Yeah, it's a higher degree uh, variance, and I could bomb out spectacularly if uh, those guy, uh, one of those guys, uh, truly busts and takes down a bunch of lineups, but. To me, I just, I'd rather condense the pool and uh, increase my odds of a takedown. Um, In the 7K range, I got a couple of guys here uh, I'll have some interest in. Uh, One of those gentlemen will not be Jason Day. Uh, You know, just uh, the form hasn't been that great recently. Uh, You know, I, I just don't think it... I don't think he's been that great, and you know, lately the putter has been um, better, but it's not as though he's doing a whole lot anywhere else. Uh, he's, it, you know, he's he's been uh, he's been getting some strokes gain on greens, but um, I don't know. I, I just don't know. Like the other parts of Jason Day's game have not been that impressive to me, so. I just don't see myself gravitating towards a day, uh, this week. Um, Mark Leishman, uh, uh, form has been improving and, you know, plays well in wind. I would take a shot at Leishman at 7,700. Abe Onser, uh, you know, has played well in recent events. Um, only played in two British opens that he missed a cut in both of them. But, uh, you know, he's been, if he's been, uh, his be- biggest asset in this recent uh, form uh, has been his accuracy off the tee. And to me, that's uh, the key with him. If he's accurate off the tee, he'll be in a good spot. And the betting lines have been moving more in towards his favor because uh, he went down from 90 to 1 to 65 to 1, which is always a good sign. Um, To me, I think answer makes uh, uh, makes good sense as uh, one of the cheaper plays if you're going to start fitting in studs. Uh, Yeah, starting your builds with answer along with ROM and another stud, uh, I have no problems with that whatsoever. Lee Westwood, complete fade. I I don't know why uh, the odds are improving with Lee Westwood. He hasn't shown anything in the last couple of weeks. He hasn't shown anything. And folks are still betting on him, I, like just for this narrative of uh, uh, w- when Lee Westwood can ma- win a major. And you know, I think we kind of know the answer. It's not going to happen, at least uh, not not necessarily at a venue where it's going to be difficult. I I think he wears down at these major tournaments. So uh, no, the, the definitely hard pass on Lee Westwood. Uh, may, maybe I might play him in a showdown style format. For round two um, if he's trying to make the cut line, but you know, for the outright tournament, no, not not going to be on Westwood, uh, even at $3,500. Um, I'd almost play Molinari, and I'm not playing Molinari this week. Uh, uh, Molinari is 3400 but uh, to me, uh, you know, I'm not paying for uh, Westwood uh, when I have some options in the 7K range that make more sense. Uh, namely, Patrick Berger. Patrick Berger, I mean Daniel Berger. Uh, excuse me. Um, Daniel Berger should be priced eighty five hundred, being priced seventy four hundred on DraftKings and ten k on uh, Fanduel, which is actual accurate pricing. But uh, DraftKings pricing for uh, Berger makes no sense. Uh, Berger should be at least uh, eight to uh, a a grand higher than what he is right now, at a minimum. Um. And it's just going to draw ownership. Uh, to be honest, it, it to me the ownership should be even higher on Burger than it is. Uh, right now, the ownership for Burger is projected at around twelve percent. I, I think it should be f- significantly higher than that, um, just because of the pricing alone. It, the pricing just again it should be higher. Um, you know, DraftKings pricing him as if he's going to miss the cut. Uh, I'm I I think he can make the cut and contend. But, you know, this is pricing for uh, guys you think are going to miss the cut outright when you're pricing this slow. All right. Other players to kind of give a uh, look at. uh, Robert McIntyre uh, had uh, a number of recent good finishes. uh, Looked good at the Scottish Open. um, Tied for six at the Open uh, back in 2019, the last time it was played. Uh, You know. Uh, definitely has been looking good. Harris English, uh, I'm going to have a lot of exposure to English. It could burn me, but uh, to, in my opinion, uh his game should translate well uh to the uh, British Open. He's made four of his last six cuts uh, at the Open. You know, I I think uh you know, one of his uh, biggest attributes uh, you could see is him not rushing shots, and, you know, he's gained strokes on the green in his last six events, um, around the green in his last six events, um, and on approach, you know, his game has been in very good form lately. So, and again, because of the roster builds, if you're going to stud route, you're going to need to have some exposure to the 7K range, and I'm definitely going to have be overweight on English. I think his uh, projected ownership is too low. Uh, you know, he's projected to be around fourteen, fifteen. It probably should be in the twenties. Um, we'll see if uh, we'll see if it comes out higher than what's uh, currently projected as his ownership. But uh, yeah, I, I do think it, English is uh, most certainly Harris English is most certainly a play here. Um, if you want to pivot off of that, uh, there's always. Uh, A guy like Jason Kokrak at 7,200 or Braden Grace. Um, I'm just not going to be on Grace, but I get it. Um, uh, A lot of the the benefits of playing English, you can make a case for Braden Grace. Uh, You just, there's only so many golfers. I'm going to fit into my pool of what I'm looking for them to do. So, you know, be that as it may, man, Phoenix is going to give away this game, aren't they? Man, well, Chris Paul has been bad. Um, anyway, uh, keep moving forward. Ian Poulter, 7,200. Uh, you know, a lot of it has been based off of his short game, but, uh, you know, his uh, his driving accuracy, uh, there, there's, there, there's two things with Ian Poulter. Either he's going to do really well at the Open, or he's going to bomb out of it. It, it really comes... Uh, uh, down to being that simple and from my perspective the way I'm probably going to approach this in my main pools I'm probably going to have um, I'm probably going to use Ian Poulter uh, in one of my main builds and only one of the main builds and then the other one I'm going to do a fade as if he bombs out but I, I just I think uh you know, there there are other guys to kind of go to um, that I'll get to as well lower in the range, uh, but um, Poulter, I, I, I think he's definitely in play. I'm just not sure if he's going to make the cut, which, again, he's 7,200. You know, guys in this range, it's going to be boom or bust, uh, but I'm um, definitely playing Poulter, and the other guy I'm playing in this range is Brian Harmon. Uh, you know, those of you listening to uh, me do the golf breakdowns know I play a, a ton of Brian Harmon. I think, uh, uh, you know, even though uh, he hasn't had good success at uh, the British Open, he's just been incredibly consistent this year. And I got to get benefited down here that, you know, he knows the track. He knows what he needs to do to execute. I, I think he puts out a good showing. Um, you know, not expecting top 10 upside, but I definitely think he could be in the top 20 in my opinion, uh, and obviously make the cut, but, uh, you know, there is some risk of him missing the cut again, but again, when you are down in this price range, um, that's certainly a possibility. And even in the upper price range, you, you got guys to have, uh, Decent enough potential to miss the cut. Uh, I will say this: uh, you know, it's easy to get caught in a bad hole, and you're gonna get a bogey or a double bogey, and that could sink your day. So it's hard. It's gonna be hard to kind of get birdies on, on this one. A ton of birdies on this course. So um, you gotta take what you can get. Uh in the six k range, uh, Kevin Kisner is someone I'm gonna be playing. Um, he actually played well, um, at the open last, uh, well, two years ago, um, last time it was played, he finished, second. Uh, well, actually, no, not, not 2019, it was 2018. He finished second. So technically that would have been, uh, three years ago, um, <clears throat> and two opens ago as, uh, since we skipped the last go around, but, um, <clears throat> I think Kisner's iron play, uh, sets up well, uh, oh actually one other guy didn't mention 7K range uh, Corey Connors um, same same um, uh, mo as uh, Kisner it's the iron play um, I think uh, you know as long as the putter works for uh, Kisner and Connors they're gonna be fine they're gonna be fine they'll get you that uh, top 25 upside that uh, you'd be looking for um, Ryan Palmer. Uh, link style course uh should suit him well, so I expect him to have some value. Definitely going to have exposure to him um, to obviously make the cup, but uh, uh, do well over the week course of the weekend. So I do like Ryan Palmer. <clears throat> I actually like him more than Sam Burns. Sam Burns is criminally mispriced at sixty three hundred. Um, he's ninety to one to win the event. So if he's 90 to one to win the event, he cannot be priced at 6,300 on DraftKings. He's priced 9K on FanDuel, which is also a misprice, but not as egregious as the DraftKings pricing. Everyone is going to be playing Sam Burns, and it pisses me off because I don't really like to play, but I kind of need to play at least some Sam Burns because it's too low of a spot uh, that you can get... Uh, with your roster builds that you're going to need to have some exposure to. Now, folks are going to be, uh, probably 20%. I'm probably going to be higher on Sam Burns because now I feel the need that I'm going to have to try to make some of these lines work to get a little bit different. So I feel like I'm going to have to overcommit on Sam Burns because fading him just seems like crazy, uh, me at 6300 he's got too much upside way too much upside to fade so to me the only course of action is to um uh be overweight because uh just trying to meet the field you're you're just if he smashes like he definitely has the potential to it, it, it's gonna be in the optimal uh it's gonna be in the winner uh, for the millie maker so uh I, I think you're just gonna have to learn to live with uh playing uh, a lot of exposure Sam Burns uh, at uh, 6,300. It's just the pricing makes no sense whatsoever. Um, uh, Lucas Glover, 6,600, uh, just won the John Deere last week, uh, so he's definitely got momentum. Uh, you know, his all around game uh, should benefit uh, him here with a link style go- golf course. So, uh, you know. He may like Glover may be one of the last cuts in my player pool uh, this week, Um, because I already have a guy in Lucas Eber or Herbert, however you pronounce it, Eber or Herbert, um, at sixty eight hundred that has uh, great driving distance, has been improving with his iron play, is in good recent form, again ninety to one. Uh, odds to win it all, uh, but he's only priced 6800 to me. I just think, uh, Herbert is a, a good play. And, uh, you know, again, this is trying to win a millimaker, you, you're gonna have to get aggressive with certain uh calls. So, I think, uh, uh, playing Herbert, uh, and you know, maybe taking a pass on Glover. Um, probably might uh, be more beneficial to folks. But uh, yeah, that's kind of the way I'm, I'm going to uh, go approach uh, this slate is uh, kind of build with uh, from don't necessarily have to go for another stud, but I do want to be uh, taking advantage of the seven and six K range of building out my roster and I'll have some bills where I leave salary on the table. Uh, that is certainly uh, in the cards. Uh, you know, even though you don't, you try not to do it too much at majors because you always want to have that win upside with some of the players you are selecting, um, as opposed to the guys who are just going to be finishing uh, in the middle of the pack or in the top twenty. But um, you know, uh, I think uh, overall uh, this should be a interesting tournament. Uh, I, I don't. I don't say that, uh, like, uh, you know, heading anything you can say definitively whether or not you're going to crush something or not. But, you know, I think I have a pretty good read on the field uh, who's uh, going to be uh, worthwhile having in my main pool of players and kind of going from there. So uh, that's going to be it for me. Uh, good luck, everyone, with your contests and enjoy uh, the golf over the course of the weekend. Take care. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Throwdown podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all other major outlets.